I've gotten to the point where I just say, Lord, just whatever. Just whatever situations are, just make it right. Sometimes it's not easy. Like this past week, it wasn't easy stuff, but it was the right thing to do. It was the right thing I had to go through. Because I look back and I'm like, wow, I made it. Another one. In the midst of that, I didn't think I was going to make it. See, God doesn't wake up in the morning and say, I need some counsel from filling your name. He doesn't wake up and think, man, I need to talk to Mark and just see what he thinks about this situation. He doesn't need that. Who can counsel God is what the Bible says. Who can counsel the Lord? In today's message from Pastor Mark, He teaches that God alone knows what is ultimately best for you. Therefore, it is important that you are in His Word daily and spending time in His presence. Speak to the Lord in prayer and ask Him what you should do. Oftentimes, people want to come to the Lord with their own ideas about what God should do for them. However, they need to be asking Him what actions they should take. God doesn't need your counsel. You need His. He desires that you know Him intimately and seek Him in all things. Rest assured that no matter what, he desires good things for you. Well, let's join Pastor Mark in 2 Samuel chapter 16 for today's edition of Come Alive. Now it happened when David had come to the top of the mountain where he worshipped God, there was Hushai the archite coming to meet him with his robe torn and dust on his head. That's kind of weird when you think about these two verses together. And this is why it is very important that, you know, we, we didn't see this probably the first time when we were going through it. And so that's why we need the full counsel of God's word, not just parts of God's word, because just like 12, chapter 12, verse 11 and 12 are just kind of weird out there by themselves. This one, if you read these two, you're like, wow, David's praying for Ahithophel's foolishness. And all of a sudden it goes, and now it happened when David had come to the top of the mountain where he worshiped God, where he's praying that this guy Hushai shows up. And you're like, yeah, that is weird. It's a weird name. Yeah, it is. If you're looking for a name for your kid, it'd be a cool name. So here's this. He said, you, you and I won't see this, but again, it's God's word. It's God's word, and we can't just take it in parts because if we take the whole thing, it starts to make sense now as we look at this. See, David uses Heshai. Remember we talked about Hushai? Heshai, Hushai as the spy guy. And he says, dude, when Ahithophel gives counsel, this is David, and not exactly quoting from the Bible, but he said, when Ahithophel gives counsel, I want you to make it sound, Lord, I want you to make it sound foolish. And so that's David's prayer. So here, David says, and so Hushai, when he gives that counsel, I want you to subvert it for me. So Hushai says, yeah. And so God gives David this secret spy, a brother that he loves, because we find out that Hushai, from Absalom's words, is a close friend of David. And they got this special bond. They create this special bond. He's a spy, and they got this special bond. Hmm, James Bond. Too bad his name's not James. So he's got this spy. They got a special bond, and they're going to go in. And back to chapter 16, verse 16, it says, And so it was when Hushai, the archite, David's friend, came to Absalom, that Hushai said to Absalom, Long live the king. Long live the king. Which king? Absalom, because he's so full of pride, is probably thinking, Yeah, that's me. But Hushai might be, That's David. 
Who knows? We don't know. Look at verse 17. So Absalom said to Hushai, is this your loyalty to your friend? Why did you not go with your friend? Hushai said to Absalom, no, but whom the Lord and his people and all the men of Israel choose, his I will be, and with him I will remain. So furthermore, whom should I serve? Should I not serve in the presence of his son? As I have served your father's presence, so will be, I will be in your presence. And Absalom said to Hithophel, give advice as to what we should do. And so we saw the advice that he gets. And so here, Hushai's question. He's known to be a close friend of David. Hushai says, bro, I just want to be where God is. And false flattery always gets those who are lifted up in pride. Always. The person who's lifted up in pride is so willing and quick. It's kind of like somebody who tells a story. I have a friend that does this all the time. He's not a Christian, but he does this all the time. He'll tell stories about when he and I were kids. He'll be like, hey, Mark, tell that story about that time when I... And I'm like, bro, why don't you tell the story? You know, so I'll tell the story and it's all about him and he just sits back and he loves it. And somebody will walk up and sit down and he'll be like, hey, dude, you just missed an awesome story. And yeah, because you were the main character. And so that false pride, that false flattery gets those who are lifted up in pride. And so you, you need to be more concerned about what God thinks about what you're doing rather than what people think. So Absalom's got this false, this, this pride. And so Hushai does this false flattery thing. And so the only reason, and I, and I guess we'll just call him a false flatterer because I call, in the last service I called him a brown noser. But either way, the only reason a false flatterer says anything is for his own advantage. The guy who's trying to kiss up to someone, the only reason they say anything is for their own advantage is because they think they're doing something for their boss, but they're not. In reality, they're only doing something for themselves. If you're a Christian and you're doing that, well, Guess what? You have more faith in your lies and your trickery than, than you do in God. Because what you're doing is saying, hey, I'm trying to promote myself by being really kind and saying what this guy, what I think this guy wants to hear. And the guy that wants to hear it and likes hearing it is even in a worse position than you are. So you got these two, it's like the blind leading the naked. You got confusion. The blind guy doesn't know where he's leading the naked guy. And people step back and they're like, man, that is insane. There's nothing good about that. So Ahithophel tells Absalom, take all of your father's concubines. And a concubine is a woman who would be kept around for sexual pleasure. And so Absalom is told, take your dad's women, have wild sex with them on the roof inside of this tent. And in doing so, you're going to show the people you truly despise your father. Well, when you do this, you're going to truly despise your father. Now, some of you moms are over there looking at your kids and you won't turn your head. Just turn your head. They're looking at you guys. It's PG-13. Lydia's got her fist up. Josh, don't get any ideas. So anyway, but when you think about it, this act was forbid by the Torah. This would show that Absalom is committed to the course of rebellion and that reconciliation would be totally out of the question. So Ahithophel says, hey, if you do this, if you go and you take your father's women and you do this act, there's no way the people will see that you're wishy-washy. They'll have no idea that you are like, hey man, I might turn back and try to, try to convince my dad not to do anything. They'll know you're in this all the way because the Torah said, hey, this would show, again, this is a horrible act and it would be, well, death. Leviticus 20, verse 11. The penalty for the man who did that would be death. And so it's a heinous crime according to the Torah. So Absalom might escape David's hand of judgment, maybe, but he couldn't ever, ever escape the Lord's. And that's the thing you and I are called to see is like, you know what? It doesn't matter. We can hide anything we want from man, but here's the deal. God sees it. And so divine justice would ultimately prevail, and the Lord would, well, bring Absalom's aspirations crashing down into an inglorious end. And so Ahithophel is saying, if David were any kind of a man, he would rescue his women. If you remember, he left 10 of his women behind. 
to take care of the household. And so the enemy always comes and says, you need to make a statement. You need to make a statement. Ahithophel is that agent of the enemy. And he says, hey, I want to embarrass David. I want to humiliate David. And I want to shame him. Because basically that's what David has done to his family with Bathsheba. But look at what Ahithophel says and devises in verse 17, uh, verse 1. It says, Moreover, Ahithophel said to Absalom, Now let me choose 12,000 men, and I will arise and pursue David tonight. I will come upon him while he is weary and weak and make him afraid, and all the people who are with him will flee, and I will strike only the king. And then I'll bring back all the people to you when all return except the man whom you seek. All the people will be at peace. And the same pleased Absalom and all the elders of Israel. So, Okay, okay, so we shame him. Guys, this is what we're going to do. And we embarrass him. And, and then we humiliate him. And now we annihilate him, we destroy him, and we eradicate him. See, Ahithophel is one of those people who comes alongside after you and your spouse might argue. And they're the ones that say, hey, I don't know why you put up with that guy or that gal. I, I don't know why you're even messing with them. I mean, obviously, from what you've told me, they're, they're just kind of a jerk. So just, just get rid of them. See, and then you start to think like, hey, you know, that might be a pretty good idea. But that idea never crossed your mind until that person showed up, till that enemy agent came around. So now everyone here in this story is looking at Ahithophel like, hey, this is David's best friend. He knows him. I mean, he's dumped him. And this advice here, and we're thinking, well, what about the advice sounding foolish? Did it sound foolish to the elders? Well, as we read on, we see that none of them stood up and said, this is foolishness. None of them said that. So they like the plan, so now they want to see what the new guy has to say. Let's see if he's really one of the guys, because he's shown up. He's one of my dad's friends as well. Let's see, see what he has to say. And so on the surface, Absalom's request seemed reasonable. But Ahithophel and Hushai had both provided David with valuable advice when he was the king. And now David's son wished to determine the best possible plan of action. And that's biblical, Proverbs 11.4. Proverbs 15, 22 and 24, 6 all tell us that, hey, you know, by the counsel of others, it's good. But is it godly counsel? So he invites Hushai to critique Ahithophel's proposal. So if Hushai had disagreed with Ahithophel, Hushai would have to offer an alternate plan, right? He'd have to offer an alternate plan. Look at verse 5. Then Absalom said, now call Hushai the archite also, and let us hear what he says too. And when Hushai came to Absalom... Absalom spoke to him, saying, Ahithophel has spoken in this manner. Shall we do as he says? If not, speak up. So Hushai said to Absalom, The advice of Ahithophel has given is not good at this time. For said Hushai, You know your father and his men, that they are mighty men, and they are enraged in their minds, like a bear robbed of her cubs in the field. And your father is a man of war and he will not camp with the people. Surely by now he is hidden in some pit or in some other place. And it will be when some of them are overthrown at the first that whoever hears it will say, there's a slaughter among the people who, who follow Absalom. And even he who is valiant, whose heart is like the heart of a lion, will melt completely. For all of Israel knows that your father is a mighty man, and those who are with him are valiant men. Therefore, I advise that all Israel be fully gathered to you from Dan to Beersheba, like the sand that is by the sea for a multitude, and that you go to battle in person. 
So we will come upon him in some place where he may be found, and we will fall on him as the dew falls on the ground. And of him and all the men who are with him, there shall not be left so much as one. Moreover, if he is withdrawn into a city, then all Israel shall bring ropes to that city, and we will pull it into the river until there is not one small stone found there. So Ahithophel's counsel, if I ask the question, is it really foolish? No, it's not foolish. See, it was, Ahithophel's counsel was like, dude, go out and make a statement. Show the people that you're for real. Show the people you mean business. That it's a no holds barred, no turning back situation. That was not foolish counsel for a coup. It was classic, especially the 12,000 men portion. I mean, take 12,000 guys right now, let's go. See, if God would have made Ahithophel's counsel foolish, again, like I said, all the elders would have rose up and said, man, that's craziness, no way. That's foolish. But what I love here is the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God. See, Hushai plays the pride of Absalom. Bro, we get all of Israel. And that's going to take some time. But we get all of Israel looking. And even if he hides, we're going to rope it off. We'll drag that whole city into the sea. And Israel's under your command. Bro, the people will totally dig you. And anywhere David hides in that city, well, obviously that city's digging him if they're willing to hide him. So we get rid of even those people. So there's never, ever a chance that... And it sounds great. I don't know if you ever look back over your prayer journals, but see, what, what happened is not what David had asked. And if you have a prayer journal and you write down, like, my prayer was this, specifically, sometimes I do that. I write down my specific prayers. And Jesus, we know that Jesus lives to make intercession for us continually. It goes back to what I've always said, that in high school there was this girl, and it was like, oh, God, I'd love to marry her. And I look back on Facebook pictures and I'm like, thank you, Lord. Thank you for not allowing that to happen. He knows what I need. And so Jesus intercedes for me and says, hey, look, he sits there between God and me. And he's sitting there and he goes, I heard what Mark said. Lord, that's no, 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 God, that's not what he means, Father. That's not what he means at all. I mean, you know Mark. I mean, think about it. Remember the time? And he's like, oh, yeah. He's like, no, what, what he needs, what he means, what he's asking for, what's best for him is and I don't always see it, but sometimes I look back at my prayer journal. I'm like, man, I asked for that specifically. I mean, it, it happened, but it didn't happen the way I thought it was going to happen. And so he, I don't know if you've ever looked back over your prayer journal and you see what God may have answered a prayer quite opposite of what you've asked and opposite of how you thought it should play out. See, I've gotten to the point where I just say, Lord, just whatever. Just whatever situation is right, just make it right. Sometimes it's not easy. Like this past week, it wasn't easy stuff, but it, it was the right thing to do. It was the right thing I had to go through because I look back and I'm like, Wow, I made it. Another one. In the midst of that, I didn't think I was going to make it. See, God doesn't wake up in the morning and say, I need some counsel from fill in your name. He doesn't wake up and think, man, I need to talk to Mark and just see what he thinks about this situation. He doesn't need that. Who can counsel God is what the Bible says. Look at verse 14. So Absalom and all the men of Israel said, the advice of Hushai, the archite, is better than the advice of Ahithophel, for the Lord had purposed to defeat the good advice of Ahithophel to the intent that the Lord might bring disaster upon Absalom. Then Hushai said to Zadok and Abiathar the priest, thus and so and so Ahithophel advised Absalom and the elders of Israel, and thus and so and so I have advised. Now therefore send quickly and tell David, saying, do not spend the night in the plains of the wilderness, but speedily cross over, lest the king and all the people who are with him are swallowed up. Okay, so here we see that God can do whatever. 
right? God can do whatever he wants to do. There's a verse in Job, and it's one of my favorite verses, and, and, and I was telling the first service when I read that, I'd never laughed so hard in my whole life. There's a, there's a verse in Job, and I don't remember where it was, and I didn't spend a lot of time trying to find it yesterday, but it describes an ostrich, right? It describes an ostrich. And at the end of that, he says, the ostrich is, is dumb because I made it dumb. And he goes into detail about the ostrich. He's this bird. He's got a long neck, and he's got wings, but he cannot fly. The ostrich lays an egg out in the middle of the desert, so any animal can come and pick it up. And anybody that knows anything about ostriches, they're not great moms. They're mean to their, their, their offspring. And so anything could come by, pick it up, eat, and destroy the egg. And sometimes the ostrich even crushes its own egg. And so at the end of that verse, God says, but it's dumb because I made it dumb. And I'm like, yeah. And sometimes you'd be driving down the road and you're like, oh, yeah, Lord, that's one of those things you made dumb, isn't it? That guy. But not in reality. That's just my sarcasm. He's made the ostrich dumb. That's the only thing he talks about that he's made dumb. And it's hilarious when you think about an ostrich because also it talks about that ostrich. But yet that ostrich, though it has wings and only two legs, can run faster than some horses. And God says, but I made it dumb. I made it without wisdom. And so Absalom takes the advice of Hushai. Hushai sends word to David, bail out David, and David does what Hushai says. See, Ahithophel's advice wasn't dumb. Who did he make dumb? He made Absalom dumb. He made the elders dumb in the situation. Look at verse 21. We're going to skip down to there. Verse 21 says, Now it came to pass after they had departed that they came up out of the well and went and told King David and said to David, Arise and cross over the water quickly. For thus Ahithophel advised against you. So David and all the people who were with him arose and crossed over the Jordan by morning light. Now one of them was left who had not gone over the Jordan. Now when Ahithophel saw that his advice was not followed, he saddled a donkey, he arose, and he went home to his house, to his city. And then he put his household in order, and he hanged himself, and he died. And he was buried in his father's tomb. So when we look at this, we can see that, and we know this from studying through the book of Samuel and doing a study on the life of David, that David is a type of Christ. And so that would possibly right here make Ahithophel a type of Judas. Because you think about Judas hung out with Jesus for a, for a long time. They were friends. They ate out of the same food bowls, hung out with each other. And yet Judas betrays Jesus. And Ahithophel hangs out with David. They're great friends. And yet Ahithophel betrays David. But also we can look at another little comparison here with Ahithophel and Jesus. Because though Ahithophel's advice was great advice, it was good advice, it wasn't taken. And Jesus' advice was good as well. And for the leadership of Israel, it wasn't taken. And so here, these two guys, and then we can see the comparison where it says that who, who gets on a donkey here in our verse? Ahithophel. Who rode into Jerusalem on a donkey? Jesus. Who hung himself? Ahithophel. Who hung on a cross for you and I? Jesus. And, and so we can see a little bit of these comparisons here. And so and Jesus didn't take his life, but he allowed his life to be taken. Ahithophel hung in defeat by a rope. Jesus hung on a cross in victory. And both were buried in tombs. But Jesus rose again. Jesus didn't stay there. Ahithophel did. See, Jesus understands our hurt. Ahithophel didn't even understand his hurt. Jesus understood his pain when he said, Father, if this cup can be taken from me, then so be it, but your will be done. Ahithophel didn't understand that. And so 
Here we see Ahithophel, he goes and he kills himself. And again, our sin is what killed him. Romans 4, 7 says, happy is the man whose sins are forgiven and even the sins committed against him. Happy is the man whose sins are forgiven. And then the other part of that is, and the sins that are committed against him. It may be somebody has sinned against you, has wronged you in some way, and you're having a problem forgiving them. Well, today I would suggest would be a good day to forgive them because it says happy is the man whose sins are forgiven even the sins committed against him. That means God has forgiven that individual. God has forgiven. God, Jesus had died on that cross 2,000 years ago. That sin has been forgiven. The sins of my children have been forgiven 2,000 years ago. The sins of whoever's being born today are forgiven already. And so here we are going to celebrate communion. And so one of the things I want to ask you is if, have you forgiven those who've wronged you? And today would be a good day for you to do that, to just spend some time in prayers. And I want you to focus and think about, you know what, the people that have wronged you, Maybe you're, you're that person that the Bible talks about keeping a list of wrongs. Don't, don't keep that list. And you know how you know you're that person? Sometimes when we fight with our spouse, we're like, well, yeah, last week you did this. And the week before you did this. And then you did this. You know, I used to keep a calendar when I first got married to, to Jess. And she would say some stuff and it would just irritate me or we'd have these arguments. And I'd write down, I kept a list of wrongs. And one day I came across that verse and I felt like the Lord said, you're that guy. Because when we argued, I'd be like, you know what? Four weeks ago, this is what you did. And then three weeks ago, you did the same thing again. And, and I remember I looked at her and I was like, that's weird. Why do I have this list? I just told you I love you, but I'm this guy that's keeping this list of wrongs. I had to get rid of my list. I had to quit thinking about and focusing on like, oh, man, I was wrong. I had to quit feeling sorry for me and, and started thinking about, you know what? Jesus Christ died for her sins as well the sins that are committed against me. And it's crazy for me to keep that list wrong. So take some time and make that decision. Don't wait for a feeling. Forgiveness is not a feeling. It's like love. It's a decision. It's a commitment. You're going to commit to, I'm going to forgive this person. And I promise you, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be like after service, the sun's going to, it'd be cool if the sun did shine, but the sun shines on you and you're just like, oh, I've forgiven everyone and life is great. And you turn into some weird hippie with a flower running around. I mean, Hey, that's cool if that's what you like, but it ain't gonna, it probably won't end like that today. Maybe there's somebody you have to call and say, hey, you know, I've been holding something against you and I want to just ask your forgiveness. Hey, we've been fighting. We haven't talked in two or three years or whatever. I just want to ask for some forgiveness. And I want you, hopefully they're a Christian and they forgive you. But if they don't, no big deal. You've done your part as a Christian. Forgive and then come and partake with us in communion. And that's a new covenant. We don't need the eye for an eye. And so that took place because God wanted us to forgive and he wanted to redeem. So Jesus died on the cross for you and I. And so we do this in in remembrance of what he's done for you and I. We're so glad you joined us today for Pastor Mark's teaching in the book of 2 Samuel. We wish we had more time to spend with you, but sadly, we need to wrap up our broadcast today. Right now, though, you can hear more from Come Alive by visiting our website. At Come Alive Radio, you'll be able to listen to past teachings, connect with us on Instagram, and subscribe to our podcast. We'd love to meet you, too, so consider yourself invited to our Sunday services at Calvary Chapel Katy. You can find out more at comealiveradio.com or give us a call at 281-391-5503. Be sure to let us know how we can be lifting you up in prayer. Before we end our time with you, Tracy has a request to share. 
Here at Come Alive, we want to make sure we're following God, not what other people around us are saying. With everything we do, we want to honor our Creator and point people to salvation. That's where you come in. We'd appreciate your prayers for Pastor Mark and all of us here at Come Alive. Would you lift us up to the Lord each time you listen to our program? Thank you for interceding on our behalf. Would you consider donating to Come Alive too? Any amount is helpful, and you can easily donate by texting 77977. That's 77977. Thank you so much for prayerfully considering this, and thanks for tuning in to Come Alive.